Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. Now in its 175th year, Hillsdale is a truly independent institution where learning is prized and intellectual enthusiasm is valued. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to Hillsdale for their sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Well, it's very obvious that President Trump is having the best week ever. I mean, it doesn't get better than the week the president's having. Meanwhile, no one knows where Joe Biden is. I think there's an APB out on him. They can't find him. It's possible he's been reported missing. If you see Joe Biden, please call the police and let them know. They're, they're really, they have no idea where the guy is. Uh, good evening. Welcome to the Mark Levin Show. The great one is off tonight. Rich Zioli from Mark's hometown of Philadelphia with you. Great to be back for the great one. I mean, Trump is just, what a week, right? I mean, it doesn't get better than this. He's at just about 50% approval rating. 225,000 new jobs added today. He's been acquitted forever. And the Democrats are just a disaster at this point. It, it, it's a disaster. It's almost as if this was a movie, but it would be unrealistic if it was a movie. You know, if somebody tried to write this, they'd reject it and they go, come on, the Democrats can't be that bad. Got to make them a little bit more competent than the way you're portraying them here. Let's think about this for a second. Joe Biden, the presumptive Democrat frontrunner, the former vice president of the United States, comes in fourth place in Iowa. Fourth place. And his argument has been, I'm the only guy that can beat Donald Trump, right? I'm the only guy that can get it done. And he can't even beat Pete Buttigieg, who's the mayor of a small city in Indiana. The fourth largest city, not even the largest city. So Joe Biden's argument of, I mean, look, it's, it's, listen, it's malarkey if you think anybody else can beat Trump but me. I'm the only one who can beat Trump, even though I can't beat Pete Buttigieg. Joe Biden's candidacy, in my opinion, I've been saying this for a while, but I think it's done. I think it's over. It's just a matter of time. He's the Jeb Bush of, uh, of 2020. You know, the front runner, the establishment guy, and everybody's behind him. But there's no, there's no enthusiasm there, and it's just not working. And he's going to, at some point, he's out. It's just a matter of when. Just a matter of when. And it's not going to be Buttigieg either, and, and, and they're doing everything they can to stop Bernie Sanders. But think of the Democrat Party right now, which is trying so hard to keep a, a, a socialist Democrat or otherwise, from becoming their nominee. And the reality is that it's very possible Bernie Sanders could become their nominee unless they do something to stop him from becoming their nominee. And that's really bad for down-ballot candidates. You know, there are, there are a lot of seats, 30, 35, 40 seats, that are up for grabs in this election cycle in the House of Representatives. And the Republicans can win back the majority in the House. And if they do, by the way, they have the ability to expunge the president's impeachment. That's right. And if they expunge the president's impeachment, they can't the Democrats can't run around and say impeach forever because they'll make it go away. And expungements are great in law enforcement. They, they're used in the courts, right, to get people off. They don't have to have this hanging over their heads their entire lives. Well, if the Republicans win back the majority in the House, they can do the same thing to the president. And they have a really good chance here of winning back the House. You have to remember in 2016, when Donald Trump was on the ballot, he won these districts, about 30 of them. He won. And then in 2018, Donald Trump's not on the ballot, so Democrats win those districts. And what did everybody say? They go, oh, it's a blue wave, blue wave, blue wave. It wasn't a blue wave. These were local district elections, and a lot of the Trump voters just didn't come out to vote. 
But they're coming out now. They're coming out in 2020. And this time the president's on the ballot with them. So if you're running in a district, say in my my area, of Philadelphia, South Jersey, there was a Republican seat for a long time. Democrat wins it in 2018. Well, now Trump's going to be on the ballot with whoever's running as the Republican in that district. And guess what? All the Trump voters are voting for the Republican running for Congress, as well as President Trump. So now these Democrats are realizing that they may be on the ticket with a communist, with a guy who honeymooned in, in Russia, shirtless, listening to Woody Guthrie. They're realizing that now and they're panicking. That they'd either then have to, in some of these, these moderate districts, they'd have to either distance themselves from the candidate or embrace him. Right. No. And I think a lot of these Democrats are turn around and go, well, I <laughs> I don't agree with our nominee on a lot of different things. I mean, socialism is not where we want to be. But 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 and then they would be off message and it would be a disaster for them, a disaster. And the Republicans went back to House and probably take a couple of Senate seats with them as well. And Democrat Party elders know this. I mean, James Carville knows this. He's trying to warn the Democrat Party about this. Even Chris Matthews the other night was losing his mind on MSNBC trying to warn everybody about the fact that Bernie Sanders is disaster for the Democrats. So they are playing games. I think it's pretty obvious if you look at the Iowa results, what they were up to. It goes like this. Bernie Sanders wins Iowa, wins a popular vote in Iowa. Now, had they announced the results Monday night, then Bernie would have had this major momentum. Even if Buttigieg won the, the delegates, the fact is Bernie could claim victory just like Buttigieg can claim victory. Bernie's claiming I got more votes than Buttigieg, so I won Iowa. And he can stand up there and say, I won Iowa, and now I'm going to New Hampshire. And he's very likely going to win New Hampshire because it borders Vermont, and he's been there a lot. And then this momentum for Bernie is what the Democrat establishment was trying to stop. So what, what do they do? They, they play these games with the results, this little app of theirs, and they play games. And then by the time they finally announce the results... Nobody cares anymore. Everybody's moved on. And it's been overshadowed by impeachment and everything else, the acquittal of the president. So that's how they are really trying to hurt Bernie Sanders, to take away that, that momentum, the, 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 the kind of uh, blitz you'd get from winning something like the first in the nation caucus. That's the game the Democrats are playing with Bernie. And Bernie's people know it. But I don't think there's as many Bernie people as you think there are. You know, we've been told that there's all these Bernie bros out there and all this energy for them. But then why didn't he win Iowa with big numbers? Why didn't he come in strong in Iowa? Instead, it goes Pete Buttigieg or Bernie, depending on if you want to look at the vote total or the delegate total. Then it's uh, I mean, we're we're talking about Elizabeth Warren. Really? And then Joe Biden, man, Biden. So today he was holed up in his house in Delaware. Hold up. They wouldn't let him leave. They wouldn't let him go outside and say something stupid. So they kept him inside the house under the the debate prep is what they're saying for tonight's debate. He's doing debate prep. Meanwhile, his wife, Dr. Jill Biden, she's talking to people in a house. Ten people. Ten people show up. Listen, President Trump was in Wildwood a couple weeks ago, and I was there for that rally. There were there were ten people at one time in the same porta potty because you had to share because it was just that there were that many people there at the Trump rally. You literally had to share. Ten people at a Jill Biden event at someone's house in New Hampshire. He's the presumptive Democrat frontrunner. I mean, this is a disaster of epic proportions. And the president, meanwhile, he, you know, he leaves the White House today. He's victorious as ever. A few months ago when I was filling in for Mark, I, I made this prediction to you. I said, here's the deal. This Ukraine stuff, not going to hurt the president. The president's going to be fine. Impeachment is not going to hurt the president. He's not going to be removed from office. He is, in fact, going to be stronger than ever because his base is going to rally around him. 
And the base is going to rally around him in such a way that they are going to make sure that whatever it takes, they're coming out to vote for him. But but Ukraine is going to kill Joe Biden's candidacy. And sure enough, Joe Biden couldn't shake it. He'd be on the campaign trail. He's talking to Savannah Guthrie the other day at NBC, and he can't help it. it the Hunter Biden issue comes up, and he gets nasty. He gets nasty, puts people down, says dumb things. And the reality is, his argument was, I'm the blue-collar, lunch-pail guy. I can relate to the working man. But not really, because you gave your, you got your son this. Your son was able to cash it in, to cash in the Biden name in a big, big way. So, no, you don't relate to the working man with your blue-collar, lunch-pail nonsense. And your other argument is, I'm the only one who's electable in this race. I'm the only one who could beat Donald Trump, and yet you can't even beat a mayor that nobody's ever heard of, who's, who's basically, in terms of politics, a kid. So Joe Biden is having the worst week ever. Donald Trump's having the best week ever. He is at the most politically powerful point he's ever been. And you want to talk about exposing the people that did this to the president. Exposing what they did here. You know, I love when the president said they were they were crooked cops. I mean, we came really close here to having the police state of this country do what they do. And then we would never have a free and fair election ever again. We came really close to it with the FBI and law enforcement and the national security agencies and all these other agencies trying to involve themselves in a, in a presidential campaign and spy and try to manipulate the outcome. That's the kind of stuff that they do in dictator type countries. Well, they do in China. They don't do that here, but they try to do it here and they almost got away with it. So the president beat them. And my hope is now that now that the president's beat them, we'll finally get some answers to a lot of this stuff. Like today, there was a story that came out that key witnesses told Team Mueller that Russia collusion evidence found in Ukraine was fabricated. John Solomon writing that. I know John's a frequent guest of The Great One, and we'll talk more about that as the show goes on. But think about the position of Donald Trump right now as he heads into 2020. Economy's booming. More jobs added today. 225,000 more jobs today. He's been acquitted forever, and he doesn't have an opponent that's strong running against him. So what are the Democrats going to do? Well, my sense of it is the one you got to watch is Bloomberg because Bloomberg has the money and nothing in politics talks like money, baby. It's it's the mother's milk, as they say. And those those down ballot candidates that I mentioned earlier, the ones running for Congress, running for Senate in those districts that Donald Trump won in 2016. Those Democrats would love to be on the ticket with Bloomberg because Bloomberg can pay for the whole thing. Ad blitzes and TV buys and everything like that. So there's a congresswoman in New Jersey, a Democrat, in a district that was Republican forever until the Republican resigned. She's up for re-election now, first term. She's just come out and endorsed Bloomberg. And she'd love to run with him. And then it's the New York media market. It's the most expensive media market. So she'd be able to be on his, his ticket. And then she doesn't want to be on Bernie Sanders' ticket, that's for sure. So that's where Democrats are headed right now. But in order to get there, to keep a, uh, a commie from getting the nomination, they got to wind up doing whatever little tricks they got to do to keep him from getting momentum from winning Iowa. And they got to play these little games. And their front runner, meanwhile, their front runner is such a disaster that if people today were, were uh, staff members in particular who work for this guy, I'm sure today were dusting off their resume. Because they know that the end is near for Joe Biden. Now, look, can he come out tonight and crush it at the debate? No, because he's not smart enough to crush it at the debate. You know this and I know this. Joe Biden's just not good. He's not a good politician. There have been very good politicians who are Democrats. I mean, Obama was a good politician, right? He was a very smart politician. Joe Biden's a terrible politician. So Joe Biden is no Barack Obama, as you can see from Iowa. And Mike Bloomberg had Barack Obama in one of his ads today. You notice that Barack Obama has not endorsed his former vice president, hasn't even 
come close to saying a nice thing about him. And the reality is Barack Obama is smart enough to know Joe Biden's not going to be the Democrat nominee. And if I were Donald Trump right now, I would be just absolutely loving any of these people to be the Democrat nominee. If it's Bernie, I'm going after him. He's a socialist, and I'm going to say it. Socialist, Democrat or otherwise, you're still the socialist, and we don't want socialism. If it's Pete Buttigieg, the president's going to just, the fact that this guy has no experience, he's going to mock him like, oh, what did he get, your driveway, uh, your, your streets snow cleared, plowed, and garbage, and that's his big experience on the national stage? And if it's Bloomberg, well, then all of Bloomberg's China connections are going to come out. And he's got a lot of them. You want to talk about emoluments. Bloomberg has so much business tied up in China that I don't even know how he'd be able to be president, to be honest with you. Oh, today a court threw out this dumb, phony lawsuit against the president over the emoluments clause, which is good. But it doesn't it doesn't stop with them. They keep trying to come after him. So if I'm Donald Trump, I'm thrilled. If I'm Democrats, I'm terrified. I'm panicked. And I'm thinking to myself. The only chance they have is maybe to keep the House Democrat, but that's about it. I think deep down inside, they realize they can't beat him. They can't beat him. Not with this crew, anyway. Not not with this gang that can't shoot straight. So I think they've kind of resigned to that fact. Now it's just a matter of, can we keep the House of Representatives? And when you hear Nancy Pelosi, her fangs come out, and you hear her, and she's angry, and she's the president. Ah, she Because she knows. She's she's losing power here. This impeachment thing was such a political disaster for them. They achieved nothing except making the president stronger. You have to even wonder, why did they do this? What were they trying to achieve here? It's almost like Pelosi's trying to help the president get reelected. They knew he was going to be acquitted. They did it anyway. The biggest act of political stupidity I've ever seen. Those of us who said impeachment will not hurt this president were right. Those of us who said impeachment's only going to hurt Joe Biden because Ukraine is a killer for Joe Biden were right. And those Democrats hate Donald Trump so much, their Trump derangement syndrome, as they say, that they allow their hatred for him to make their decisions. And you can never allow your hatred for your enemy to drive your decision making, because then it's just pure emotion, no logic. Never hate your enemies. It clouds your judgment. That's a great rule from The Godfather Part 2. Never hate your enemies. It clouds your judgment. But they hate him. They hate him so much they can't see that what they're doing is actually making the president's reelection chances stronger, almost impenetrable. This is a very, very bad time to be a Democrat. And I'll tell you what, it's a really good time to be Donald Trump. 877-381-3811 here on the Mark Levin Show with me, Rich Zioli from Talk Radio 1210 WPHD in Philly, where I do the morning drive, 530 to 9 every day. I had Vice President Mike Pence on yesterday. I'll tell you why he was in Philadelphia, and I think it matters nationally in a big, big way for getting the African-American vote, the black vote in a lot of these places in America. 877-381-3811. Rich Zioli for the great one. Mark Levin. You've heard me talk about the four pillars of education at Hillsdale College. Now, these four pillars or purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom, have defined Hillsdale's mission since 1844. I'd like to focus on the first pillar, learning. Hillsdale understands, as America's founders did, that a proper education is essential to preserving free government. Among other things, young people must be taught about America's great heritage of liberty. They must be taught about how government works and the importance of the Constitution. And they must develop the skills to become useful citizens and the virtues required for self-government. Because so many high schools, colleges, and universities fall short in these areas today, 
Hillsdale has expanded its mission nationwide. For example, through its free online courses, its free monthly speech digest and primus, and the classical K-12 through charter schools it's helping to found coast to coast. Discover how you and your children can learn from Hillsdale College, too. Go to levinforhillsdale.com. So, you know, with the president just having an incredible week in politics, you don't get better than this. You just really don't get better than this. And he deserves it. He really does. He deserves it because what they did to him was insane. Not only just insane in terms of this, this the, the impeachment, ridiculous, the twisting of the Constitution and the absolute absurdity of their arguments. But in terms of the insanity of the fact that why would you pursue something political, which impeachment is, when you know you're going to lose? When you know you're going to lose and lose big, bigly, by the way. And, you know, the president, very grateful to you for your support. Everyone who's reached out to him, he appreciates it very much. He does. He really does, because he knows that you're with him. And you think about where Pelosi comes from, right? I don't mean where she really comes from, which is Transylvania. I mean, her district in California. This is a blue district out there. You think about where Gerald Nadler comes from, Adam Schiff. These are very solidly blue districts. These are these are not places where people are are, are thinking about things beyond just their absolute utter hum, uh, Trump hatred. And Joy Behar on The View, and I'll play this a little bit later, she went crazy today, admitting that that Trump's winning and she can't stand it. She can't even deal with it. She can't fathom how this is possible. They despise the guy in such a way that it clouds their judgment. And when your judgment is clouded, you just can't make good decisions. And they cannot get over the fact that he won again. It's like they won 2016. Now he beat this. And so that's why they're going to come after him again. They're going to keep coming after this president. They're not going to stop. And I, I've, I've said it and I'll say it again. This backfires on Democrats big time because they're getting nothing done. But meanwhile, in the Senate, the president said to Mitch McConnell, we got 191 judges confirmed. You know, that's the ball game right there, baby. Far and above the president's legacy is the court's. And long after we're gone, those conservative judges, those originalist judges in the courts, they're going to be there to save our country from judicial tyranny. You know, one of my favorite books by, the, by Mark is uh, Men in Black. She wrote in, I think it was 2005, talking all about how the courts have gone crazy with, their, with the, the liberalism that they've had. And we were close to going to a point where judicial tyranny was just going to be something we could never walk back from. And Donald Trump has, has, has taken us from the precipice of that, and now he's turned it around into a way where we're actually winning on the issue. The president and Mitch McConnell are now stacking the deck with conservative judges. Strong judges are going to be there for a really long time to make strong decisions. And the Democrats are imploding. And I don't think Joe Biden's going to be in this race, race much longer. I'll tell you why. Rich Zioli for the great one, Mark Levin, on The Mark Levin Show, coming right back. You've heard me talk about the four pillars of education at Hillsdale College. Now, these four pillars or purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom, have defined Hillsdale's mission since 1844. I'd like to focus on the first pillar, learning. Hillsdale understands, as America's founders did, that a proper education is essential to preserving free government. Among other things, young people must be taught about America's great heritage of liberty. They must be taught about how government works and the importance of the Constitution. And they must develop the skills to become useful citizens and the virtues required for self-government. Because so many high schools, colleges, and universities fall short in these areas today, 
Hillsdale has expanded its mission nationwide. For example, through its free online courses, its free monthly speech digest and primus, and the classical K-12 through charter schools it's helping to found coast to coast. Discover how you and your children can learn from Hillsdale College, too. Go to levinforhillsdale.com. constitutional lawyer you can see today for free no appointment necessary just call him at 877-381-3811 the other pointless act of political stupidity this week was of course by Mitt Romney who uh, once again showed that Mitt Romney is all about Mitt Romney and Mitt Romney is, is all about just doing whatever he thinks will get him into the history books thinking whatever he can do to get people to remember Mitt Romney and think he's somewhat special but his decision to vote to convict the president as politically stupid as the Democrats going down the road of impeachment. Also, by the way, incredibly unfair to the people of Utah that sent him to the U.S. Senate on their behalf to try to get something done. Because you think President Trump hated him before. I mean, he really hates him now. Welcome back to the Mark Levin Show. Rich Zioli from Talk Radio 1210 WPHD in Philadelphia. Mark's hometown. Great to be with you tonight, my fellow Levinites. 877-381-3811, our number. Uh, you can tweet me as well at Rich Zioli, R I C H Z E O L I. Mark will be back on Monday, and we got a great life, liberty, and Levin coming up on Sunday with Professor Randy Barnett. You know, the idea that Mitt Romney was going to get the love and praise of the media, the gushing media, yeah, he got it. Great. Good for him. Good for him. They love him now. They love Mitt Romney. But I'm going to ask you a question. If you're in the state of Utah, I love Utah, by the way. My daughter was born there. We have two adoptive children, even though my wife is now expecting our first natural child, biological child. And that is going to be in April. So we uh, we adopted two kids and my daughter's born in Utah. So we spent a lot of time out in Utah. I love the state. It's a beautiful state. And they're, and despite what you hear, they love Trump out there. They're very happy with the president out there. Mitt Romney was sent to the U.S. Senate on their behalf to try to do a job. It's not about him. It's about them. And the people of Utah elected a Republican so that they could the Republican could go work with the president on their behalf to get things done, not to try to remove the president. And, and, and since Mitt knew he wasn't going to succeed, not to grandstand, to grandstand and show everybody, oh, it's about me. A, it doesn't help you because you're not going to be successful in removing the president. And B, now the president hates you, but you're not a Democrat. So it's not even like you can boost up in your own party and rise the ranks of the of the majority or something like that. You've you've accomplished nothing other than failing the people of Utah. And this is what happens with these senators with the grandstanding. You know, I, I go off a lot on my show in Philly about the 17th Amendment to the Constitution. I hate it. It's one of those things with the progressives when they were in power, Woodrow Wilson and all those terrible people. And the 16th Amendment with, with the taxation and then the 17th Amendment with the popular vote for senators. The way it was created, the Constitution, as you know from listening to Mark, the senators were there to be representatives of their state, not to be grandstanding politicians looking to constantly run for president. I mean, the idea that, that we have senators now who are getting paid a, a salary to represent their state in the United States Senate and they're out running for president. They're, they're running for president right now. The way it was supposed to be was the states would figure out the two people that would go to Washington on their behalf and then advocate for that state. Since the states created the federal government, the states need to have their advocates there. The House of Representatives would advocate for the people in the district and their neighbors and that sort of thing. And the, and the states would literally have, usually it was state legislators or somebody else who would go and they would serve as U.S. senators. 
And so the idea that now we have these senators who just grandstand and pontificate and they act like they're just wrestling from my faith and my blah, blah, blah. And then you go back, you, whoa, what about the people that sent you there, man? What do they get out of this? What, what do the people of Utah get out of your little grandstanding stunt mittens? What do they get? And you know, the media loves him, as you would predict, right? The media loves him. But I want to play for you a little montage. I want to play for you now. This is this is the media loving Mitt Romney now. I'm going to play a little bit of this, okay? A little montage here of the media loving Mitt Romney now. Uh, but remember something. They hated his guts in 2012. They hated him in 2012. And they'll hate him again if he ever does something that they don't like. Make no mistake about it. This is the way it is. You can't actually win over the left. You can't win over the media. And these Republicans who try this little game, they don't get it. That's why when you stick with the president, when you surround, even if you disagree with him on a policy issue here and there, which is totally OK. But when you stick with him, you're on, you're sticking with a team versus the other team, which is never going to welcome you ever. If tomorrow Mitt Romney changed parties and became a Democrat or ran for president, he's not getting their nomination. They're not going to support Mitt Romney. But he's too politically self-absorbed to see that. Anyway, Mr. Producer, let's start with cut number six. Wow. That was extraordinary. That was them loving him. honesty and emotion from uh, Mitt Romney. Mitt Romney, of course, the former Republican nominee. In the moment, as he was speaking, it felt historic. I mean, Mitt Romney is known for being just an ice water in his veins kind of guy. Swearing an oath before God for Mitt Romney is like unlocking his superpower. Uh, he's a little like Fortinbras in Act 5 of Hamlet, right? Mm-hmm. Not a lot seems to phase him. When I heard him explain with such elegance and simplicity, tears came to my eyes. I've always had such great respect for him. That was a true profile and courage speech. It will cement Senator Romney's legacy. He's changed his place in history. I think uh, he deserves an immense amount of credit. This was a moment that people who've known Mitt Romney for a long time have always thought he was capable of. That was the sound of a man who'd wrestled with his conscience, who tried to think bigger than partisan politics. Oh, please. I think he'll be remembered more for this than perhaps anything that he's ever done. Well, he hasn't done anything. Career, except maybe losing the presidency in uh, 2012. Yeah, that'll stand out. Sad day. Senator Romney's speech and Senator Romney's position, his vote, is nothing short of inspiring. Inspiring. I'm so inspired. But they hated his guts. They hated him, Mitt Romney. They absolutely did. They called him the worst person in the world. They went after him for the binders full of women, the dog on the roof. I mean, at one point they called him less than human. They, they accused Mitt Romney of ha- people would die under Mitt Romney. He would kill people. See, this is why you can't win with the media. And when Republicans try this little game to think that, oh, I'll, I'll be the talk of the town on MSNBC or CNN. Great. What does that get you exactly? What is having the gushing of Brian Williams get you, Mitt Romney? Meanwhile, the people of Utah who elected you sent you there, now have a U.S. senator who the president hates beyond hate. You know, and I know I, I always tell my kids, like, don't use the word hate. You know, don't use the word hate. But come on, you, you know, you know, as well as I do. I mean, the president has no use for Mitt Romney. He is absolutely, completely, 100 percent useless. But for his own conscience and his own, I believe this is the other thing, too. Enough with the my conscience nonsense. All right. Because if you were doing the right thing, the right thing would be serving the people that sent you there. Your state. Your state does not want the president removed. Your state who sent you to Utah does not want the president of the United States removed because Donald Trump's going to win Utah again in 2020. Write it down. You heard it here first. Shocker. I know Donald Trump's going to win Utah in 2020. 
So now think about it. So the people of Utah hire Mitt Romney to do a job, and that is to go represent them in the United States Senate. They don't want the president to be convicted and removed from the presidency. They like him. They want to keep him there. They're going to vote for him again. So Mitt Romney fails his employers. What about the conscience to do the right thing by the people that, that, that you work for? How about that? Why is that never an issue of conscience? Hey, you guys sent me to do a job, but I'm going to make it all about me instead. 877-381-3811 here on the Mark Levin Show. Let's start with uh, Robert in Cliffside Park, New Jersey. Uh, Robert, you're on the Mark Levin Show. Yeah, good evening, Rich. Thank you for taking my call, and God bless you and your wife and your expanding family. Oh, thank you, my friend. Um, I have a quick question, a statement, and a show request. Um, is it possible for either the White House or a congressman to make a motion to have the Supreme Court determine the constitutionality of the two articles of impeachment so they can be expunged? My guess is the Supreme Court would not want to get involved in this because it's, uh, you know, it's, it's the Congress's matter. But I think their better shot would be the Republicans when they win the majority back expunging it. Okay. Um, Thank you so much for touching on the 17th Amendment Um, with all the talk of the founding fathers during impeachment. um, I think it totally shows that a senator, nothing more than a longer term House representative. And that's exactly what they did not want. Um, And just as a show request, I was hoping maybe in the future you can have a show about the 16th Amendment and how it created an excise tax on our income, which in practice created an apportioned direct tax on us all. I mean, it's very unconstitutional. Oh, I agree. And that's why I, like Mark, support the Convention of States for a number of reasons. But uh, it's the progressive era. It's the, well, all they did with their amendments and then prohibition and everything else. It was a disaster for our country, you know. Uh, Robert, thanks for the call, my friend. Appreciate it. Eight to seven, seven, three, eight, one, three, eight, one, one. Let's go to Attila in, how do I say that, Kewanee, Wisconsin. Is that right? That's exactly right, Rich. And you know what? You're, you're sounding amped up, enthusiastic, and in a great mood tonight. In the I am in a great mood. You're right. I really am. Well, it's been a great week, you know. It's been a fabulous week, starting with the Brexit thing, and then it all cascaded down on liberals all across the world. But here, here in America, it's been a great—I'd say, Rich, this is the best week since uh, the president got elected. What do you think? I agree with you. In fact— Donald Trump right now is at a a political point where presidents used to only dream about to be 50 percent popularity heading into an election year. No new wars, more jobs being created. It's it doesn't get better than this. And then he's acquitted in February and gets to run on that for the next seven or eight months. It it doesn't get better from from that perspective. What else could you ask for, really? No, nothing. I'm, I'm not tired of winning, Rich, but uh, not guilty forever. How's that, pinhead Pelosi? Uh, but uh, exoneration hats, acquittal pens, not guilty shirts. Uh, he could market all this stuff. It'd be great. I'd buy one. I know you would. But uh, hate kills the hater, all right? And it's destroying these people. They can't think reasonably. I've always thought Pelosi is dumb anyway. But um, it, look, looking at that, that bunch, you know, it, it's like slugging a glass of cod liver oil. It, 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 you really want to avoid it. But you contrast their negativity and hatred with the positivity accomplishments, success for our country, and solutions of President Trump. It couldn't be more stark, and America recognizes this. Attila, thanks. Have a great weekend. Thanks for calling the Mark Levin Show, 877-381-3811. Yeah, maybe I shouldn't say the president hates Mitt Romney. He probably doesn't because he doesn't. Mitt Romney doesn't affect him enough to hate him. So I'll say this. I'll change the word. I'll say the president has no use for Mitt Romney. Romney is useless to the president. 
And and Romney now is a senator because the president views him as completely useless, has nothing to offer the people of Utah. So how about that? That's probably a better way to put it. Because he's right. Hate destroys the hater. And the Democrats hate the president so much. But that's because he keeps winning. You see, Romney's not winning. So hate's probably the wrong word in that sense. Romney has achieved nothing here. Nothing other than to be exposed as once again as a fraud. A fraud who, who, who made it about himself. And, you know, the 17th Amendment to the Constitution, this notion that I'm a United States senator. I'm not getting paid this salary to go and run for president, to, to pontificate and give speeches so that I can raise my profile. I'm there to represent my state, to advocate for my state. Such a such, God, that idea, that mindset, God, replaced now with these windbags. So many of them windbags. I mean, great senators, by the way. I mean, the other senator in Utah, Mike Lee, is terrific. I mean, Mike Lee did not vote to convict the president. Mike Lee was smart enough to understand that the president did not deserve conviction. And he's acquitted now, the president, acquitted forever. And there's, they can't take that away from him. And that's another thing, too. Our system of justice in this country, so dependent upon the idea that you are innocent until proven guilty, that you walk around with this right to be innocent. And if the government suspects you of something, they've got to prove it. You don't have to defend yourself. You've got to prove it. This impeachment thing reminds you that these Democrats don't really believe that. They don't really believe that. They believe in the kind of totalitarianism that says if the government believes you're guilty, well, you're guilty. That's it. That's how that goes. And they keep calling this a sham trial, a sham trial. And they keep going, he's impeached for life. Imagine if that happened to you, like you were charged with a crime. You hired a defense attorney, got you off, not guilty. But everywhere you went, everybody said, but yeah, but you're you're, you're charged for life. You, you, you've, you've, you've got this charge hanging all over your neck. No, no, because I, I, I'm innocent. When you charge me with this crime, I was an innocent person. I'm still innocent because they found me not guilty. I, I am in a state of innocence. And that's the only way our system can survive, because otherwise the government is always going to have more power over us. Always. So if they want to say we did something, they can say we did something. The ability of us to be able to have a defense from our government, to be able to have a fair trial, a jury of our peers, all these things are designed to protect us from government. And the Democrats don't care about that concept. They don't care about it because they don't believe in the principles that are in the Bill of Rights. They don't believe in those principles. They want to have a strong government. They want to have this kind of statism that is able to determine that people are guilty for what they post on Facebook. I mean, think of some of the policy ideas coming out of these people. Elizabeth Warren would make it a crime for you to spread disinformation on Facebook. What is disinformation exactly? It's whatever the government says it is. It's what they did in China with the people who are trying to warn us about the coronavirus. Disinformation is whatever the government says it is, and she wants to make that a crime. That's the kind of control these people on the left want to have over you. And listen, of all of them, Michael Bloomberg may be the worst. He may be the biggest totalitarian status. He's got the little Napoleon complex. You know what I mean? And look, I'm not a tall man. I'm, I'm like 5'7 with shoes on, so I can say this. Bloomberg is a little guy who's got a, a lot of, sometimes little people, shorter people have this issue where they got, it's called a Napoleonic complex. That's Bloomberg. And he would run every aspect of your life if he could. And I'll tell you why it is he's so dangerous and why Republicans should wake up and recognize the Mike Bloomberg threat, because this guy may very well become the nominee. As it sure as heck ain't going to be Joe Biden. 877-381-3811. Rich Zioli from Philly. In for the great one, Mark Levin. Coming right back. Mark Levin. You've heard me talk about the four pillars of education at Hillsdale College. Now, these four pillars or purposes, learning, character, faith, and freedom, 
have defined Hillsdale's mission since 1844. I'd like to focus on the first pillar, learning. Hillsdale understands, as America's founders did, that a proper education is essential to preserving free government. Among other things, young people must be taught about America's great heritage of liberty. They must be taught about how government works and the importance of the Constitution. And they must develop the skills to become useful citizens and the virtues required for self-government. Because so many high schools, colleges, and universities fall short in these areas today, Hillsdale has expanded its mission nationwide. For example, through its free online courses, its free monthly speech digest and primus, and the classical K-12 through charter schools it's helping to found coast-to-coast. Discover how you and your children can learn from Hillsdale College, too. Go to levinforhillsdale.com. James Carville is a very smart Democrat operative. He got a president elected twice. And James Carville used to, they called him the raging Cajun. You know, he said recently, he said, uh, the Democrat Party has gone way too far to the left, lurching so far to the left, and he can't even understand this party. He, he warned that the Democrats are turning into a cult. He said, I think we're losing our damn minds. Someone's got to step up that game here. They asked him, they said, Did you, do you think the Democrat Party has tacked too far to the left? He said, They've tacked off the damn radar screen. I said, I don't consider myself a moderate or centrist. I'm a liberal, but not everything has to be on the left-right continuum. And he goes on about how these policies of the Democrats, like student loan debt forgiveness, for example, the decriminalization of illegal immigration, Medicare for all, won't help Democrats win 2020. He said, it doesn't matter what you think about any of that or if there are any good arguments talking about is or not how to win an election This is not how you win a national election. And he's really pointing the ire at Bernie Sanders because Bernie Sanders is the godfather of all this nonsense. But, you know, the question becomes this. If Bernie's not the nominee, then where do all the Bernie bros go? Do they just stay home in November? Do they come out to vote? Does their hatred of Donald Trump get them to the polls no matter what? Or do they stay home and figure, you know what, we'll try again in 2024. No big thing. We'll just wait this one out rather than give it to the DNC establishment hacks again. I don't know. It's hard to say. I'd be very worried, though, if I were the Democrats, that that could happen. But the alternative of Bernie getting the nomination is probably worse for them. Bernie Sanders cannot win. America does not want to vote for socialism. And Donald Trump would love to stand on the stage and debate socialism with Bernie Sanders. He would love it. And he would get Bernie all flummoxed trying to explain how his socialism is not the socialism of Russia or Cuba, even though... That's literally where he went on vacation. And the president would call him out on that. And it'd be a beautiful thing to watch and a beautiful thing to hear and see. No, he would love to run against Bernie, but I don't think Bernie's got it. In fact, I think Joe Biden is pretty much done. If they could ever find where the guy is, he's hiding. There's a debate tonight, though. Rich Zioli in for the great one. Mark Levin, hour number two, straight ahead. And your calls, glad to be here. Broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. 
And more evidence emerging that the investigation to the president was nothing other than, yes, a police state, deep state, national security plot to try to keep the president from getting elected and being successful. Welcome back to the show, The Mark Levin Show. Great to be with you tonight. Rich Zioli from Mark's hometown of Philadelphia, Talk Radio 1210 WPHD, where I do the morning show. Always great to be with my fellow Levinites. More information coming out that the Mueller probe was, uh, as we say, a fugazi. Key witness told Team Mueller that Russia collusion evidence found in Ukraine was fabricated. John Solomon writing this. John Solomon has done great work on this stuff. Has he not? Just great stuff. And I will get into this, but I think it's important to remember something here. And that is that when the president not only overcame that, you know, you think about how many other politicians would have been in a position to be able to withstand the kind of assault from the federal law enforcement, national security, bad, crooked actors who were coming after him from the campaign. You remember when Mark Levin first said that they were wiretapping Trump Tower and he was right. And then all the way into his presidency and trying to, to cripple his presidency and derail his presidency and make it so that he will be ineffective. So the president beats that. He beats the impeachment. And the entire time that this happens and the president gets politically stronger, you, if you're a Trump supporter, you wind up being more endeared to the guy. So you want to be there to help him even more. And yet Democrats then turn around and try to do the exact same thing they did before, which is to turn around and go, well, you know what? Uh, I guess we'll try to impeach him again. I guess we'll try to go after him this time on the emoluments clause. I guess we'll try to go after him this time on, uh, oh, I don't know, we'll find something. We'll do something. They won't learn. And that's fine. It's fine if they don't learn because this election is going to come down to the economy stupid. Like James Carville said in 1992, it's the economy stupid and it still is. And when Democrats focus on the economy, then you get into socialism and that doesn't win for them. It doesn't work out very well for them. Does it now? But you know what's amazing to me is that every day the media comes after you, you being a Trump supporter. And they do this all the time. I mean, how many times on social media, for example, do you make a comment about something and somebody will write back a snarky comment like, well, if you'd read a book, this is what they do. If they're not calling Trump supporters racist, they're calling Trump supporters dumb and stupid. And they do this constantly. Right. You'll say something on social media and one of them snarky, never Trumpers or some lefty will come back and say, well, if you were smart enough to pay attention to the news, you'd know. And I always think to myself, you think this they would learn from the whole basket of deplorables debacle when they insulted millions and millions and tens of millions of Americans? Like, you think they'd learn from this? They don't. They don't. They just keep insulting. And the latest now is Chris Matthews, who's who's completely insane and was going on about how Trump supporters are basically now you're, you're, you're like North Korea. You're like North Korea marching, doing whatever dear leader wants. And he's saying all this stuff about people. And I just keep thinking to myself, you know, at some point, are they ever going to recognize that you don't win people's hearts and minds? You don't win, win friends and influence people by mocking them, putting them down, belittling them. But they keep doing it. They can't help themselves. And the reason why they can't help themselves is because they don't get it. They, they, they cannot fathom in their minds how you could possibly support this president. You know, at the same time, though, they're perfectly capable of supporting a governor, say, of a state who believes in a post-birth abortion. In their mind, they can rationalize that with no problem. So if you're somebody who is, say, pro-life, you can turn around and easily support a president who's, as Vice President Mike Pence called him on my show the other day in Philly, the most pro-life president of our time. You know, if you're in the inner city of this country, if you're, if you're black and your kids have to go to a failing school, it's very easy for you to get your arms around the idea of supporting this president when the president stands up at the State of the Union address and hands an opportunity scholarship to a young woman 
from Philadelphia so that she could go to any school that she wants. And the president pushing school choice, and Mike Pence was in Philadelphia the other day, the vice president, and they are making this a major issue, and they should because it's the civil rights issue of our time. Democrats would absolutely keep students in these failing schools that they're born into by virtue of their zip code. And if they don't have the economic means to go to a better school, well, they're stuck. And the teachers union is the last union that really has any control in the Democrat Party because the other unions, those guys, I mean, I talk to them all the time. Electrical workers and carpenters and cops and firemen, they're all Trump supporters, but not the teachers. The teachers union is always going to be on the left, always. I mean, that's why your kids get the government indoctrination. And they'll never support school choice for two reasons. Number one, it's a threat to them, less money coming into their districts. And number two, because that's where you go for indoctrination. You go to the state school for indoctrination, the government training camp, so they can teach you the way to think on things. Now, they're teaching kids as young as, uh, as kindergarten now about climate change. And they're giving them the dogma that climate change is man-made and we got to do some fossil fuels. And it's not like, oh, climate change is happening. Here are the reasons. It's, it's no, this is why. And you will absorb this or you're going to get a failing grade. And when you bring up school choice, you think about, number one, black voters in this country. Who, if you look at where some of the failing schools are the most, places like Camden, New Jersey, which I look at across the river here in Philadelphia, and Camden schools... You know, the the families there don't have a lot of necessarily the economic means to send their kids to a private school. So they're stuck. And the state of New Jersey turns around and goes, well, tough noogies. I mean, that's I don't know what to tell you. Tough. Too bad. And then the idea that you could have charter schools. There were, I think, 45, 50 applications for new charter schools just in New Jersey alone. And Governor Phil Murphy said no to all of them. That's the kind of thing that the president is doing, pushing for that issue. Now, you take that. You take the fact the president's allowing funding for historically black colleges. You take something else, criminal justice reform. I thought the president's Super Bowl ad was fantastic when he showed the woman who he, uh, the woman who granted was granted clemency by the president. She was out there speaking for him. You factor in these issues and now suddenly the black vote doesn't seem all that out of reach for the president, does it? When I saw him in the Oval Office in November, I said to him, I said, I think you're going to do better with the black vote in this country than any president, Republican president's ever done. And it's for those reasons. Obviously, the economy, because whether you're white or black or you're, you're colorless, it doesn't matter because the economy is still the number one issue for you. And black unemployment rates, the lowest it's ever been. The economy's booming for everybody. You take that, you factor in school choice, the idea that Republicans are going to say, we want to create an environment for new schools to thrive. You factor in criminal justice reform because the sentencing has largely affected many black people in this country and families. And the president talks about reuniting families. Now, he's not going to win the black vote, but he doesn't have to. He just has to make inroads in places like Philadelphia, where I'm broadcasting from now. He just has to make inroads in in places like Philly, because if he does that and his base in the western part of the state, the suburbs and everywhere else, they're still there, obviously, and maybe stronger than ever. You see how you you can win an election just by kind of little by little here, little this, little that. Little of this, little of that. Suddenly it adds up to a grand total, in which case now you've just won the electoral votes for that state. And Pennsylvania is crucial to that. And factor in this now. Think about the states that are up for grabs, right? Take Pennsylvania, for example, where every candidate is now coming. Bloomberg had a big rally here the other night. Vice President Pence was here. The president's going to be coming back. He was just in South Jersey a couple weeks ago. And every Democrat running has said the same thing. They are going to get rid of fracking for natural gas. They're going to end fossil fuels. They're going to get rid of coal. These jobs in Pennsylvania and Ohio, and the idea that now you're going to learn to code. 
And Biden is such a dummy. He's such a dumb politician. They asked him the other night, you know, what, what's going to happen as you transition to all these green jobs? He's like, well, learn to code, man. Just learn to code. Nobody wants to hear that. Nobody wants to hear that their president is going to take away their job and they're going to have to get retrained for something else. I don't want to hear that. I got a wife. I got kids. I got a baby on the way. I got a mortgage. I don't want to hear, well, listen, you're going to lose your job, but good news. We're going to retrain you and do something that we like. And you're going to love it. Whether you love it or not, you're going to love it and be happy with it. So you factor in the uh, the black vote. You factor in the, the, the vote of people that work in the energy sector, the tens of thousands of people in states like Pennsylvania and Ohio who work in those sectors. You factor in those two things right there. And you ask yourself, how does a Democrat, how does a Democrat do in that, in that sense, on that debate stage when the president says, you know what, I'm tired of hearing you tell people they're going to lose their jobs. Enough. And then the Democrat goes, yeah, but we're good to teach them they're going to code. They're going to code. I don't even know, like, what if I don't want to code? What if I like being, what if I like working in the coal industry? What if I like working in fracking? What if I don't want to code? How about that? What is it? Do I have a choice here? No, you will be retrained. You'll do what we say. And that's the end of it. Then there's something else, too, as you think about 2020 coming up. And that is this whole notion that the president is not popular in the suburbs. This this myth in the burbs that they go, well, they, they don't like him in the suburbs. They don't like his tweets and they don't like this and they don't like that. I got news for you. If it's a choice between socialism and it's a choice between a guy who, who says things on Twitter that they don't like, it's not really a hard choice now, is it? It's really not. It's not a very hard choice at all. But then they turn around, they go, well, yeah, but Bloomberg is the reasonable one. You know, he's reasonable. Is it reasonable to ban a drink size? Honestly, I want to ask that question. Is that reasonable to you? Where somebody comes along and says, you know what? You don't need to be drinking 27 ounces of soda. So we're going to limit your ability to drink. Is that reasonable where you come along and you go, I'm banning this. I'm banning that. You shouldn't have that. You shouldn't have trans fats in your donuts. Taking that away. And uh, you shouldn't smoke. Uh, I'm going to get rid of that. I'm going to get rid of this. I'm going to tell you how to live. I'm going to tell you how to live your life. I don't think people want that. I don't want that. I don't want people telling me. This is like one of the things I can't stand are calorie counts on menus. This drives me crazy because when I go out to dinner, I don't, I'm, I don't get to do it often. Because, A, I got to wake up and do a morning show in the morning in Philadelphia. But, number two, because, you know, I got kids. I mean, I got a five-year-old and a three-year-old. My wife's prego. So when I do get to go out to dinner, it's a special experience. I don't need to look at a menu and find out that my cheeseburger has 5,000 calories and, and, and 752 grams of sodium. I don't care. I want to just enjoy it guilt-free. Let me live my life and not have the guilt shoved in my face. Let me just shove my burger in my face. Medium rare, by the way. I don't, and, I'll, and I'll take my chances. I'll take my chances. But you realize now as we get into this climate change nonsense, I mean, a big part of this is, and you see this happening more and more, the idea of things like soda taxes, which they've done for a while now, But now they're talking about meat taxes, too. For those of you that like meat, you know, it's bad for the environment. So there's going to probably have to be a meat tax. You'll have to pay that as well. I mean, I could absolutely see Bloomberg mandating that, couldn't you? I could see Bloomberg mandating portion sizes of burgers at restaurants on the federal level. A guy who's a total totalitarian like Mike Bloomberg. And the reason why guys like him absolutely love power is because they believe they're smarter than you. And this comes back to the whole idea that you're just a dummy. You don't know how to read. You can't write. And what is the thing that Bloomberg stands for most right now? Taking away your guns. Right. Because in, in, in every totalitarian system, the idea that the people are armed 
and can provide their own protection and security is so antithetical to anything that totalitarians stand for. Because at the end of the day, what keeps us from becoming totalitarian is, right, us having guns. That's one of the major reasons for the Second Amendment. And Mike Bloomberg hates that idea that you could have a a firearm, hates it. So he would take away that, too. And these guys won't stop with their executive orders and their nonsense. So now factor in the Second Amendment voters, too. You factor in pro-life voters. All these little groups of people that add up to a to a resounding election for the president, a re-election in the states that he needs to win again. And I'm telling you right now, there is nothing in my mind, nothing that would change the direction, the trajectory of this election as long as this economy is strong. People don't want to risk it. They don't want to risk their the economic success they have. And nobody, and I mean nobody, wants to be told, you're going to be out of a job, but don't worry. You're going to love your new job. You're going to love it. What is it? I don't know yet. We haven't figured it out, but you're going to love it, and we're going to train you for it. What if I don't like it? Tough. Do it anyway. What if I don't want to? Tough. Just do it. Nobody wants to hear that. Nobody votes for that. No one in their right mind would vote for that. And those are the voters in Pennsylvania and Ohio and Michigan and Wisconsin, key to the president's re-election victory, and Democrats keep saying stupid things to them. Over and over and over again. Rich Zioli in for the great one. Mark Levin, 877-381-3811. Glad to be with you, my fellow Levinites. Coming right back. Mark Levin. In today's digital age, where cyber threats loom larger than ever, safeguarding your personal information is paramount. So why is Congress considering a law that could put your credit card data at greater risk of being hacked and exposed to foreign networks? This Durbin Marshall credit card bill could jeopardize your financial data, make it more susceptible to cyber intrusions. It's a controversial bill that proposes a shift in billions of dollars worth of consumer transactions to payment networks that lack the robust security measures consumers rely on. Who could possibly want that? Well, the answer, woke corporate megastores seeking to inflate their multi-billion dollar profit margins. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill will undermine our safe and convenient payment systems and endanger your data security. It's time to take a stand. Visit electronicpaymentscoalition.org. Make your voice heard. Tell your senators to oppose the radical Durbin Marshall credit card bill paid for by the Electronic Payments Coalition. Now, I want to thank you for your patience in holding tonight here on the Mark Levin Show, 877-381-3811. It's a, uh, it's a busy day because it's a capping off an amazing, amazing historic week. And I am so lucky to be in for Mark tonight, honestly. It's just fantastic. And this jobs report today, by the way, 225,000 new jobs. What a way to cap off the worst week for Democrats in their history, I mean, most recent history. They, well, the Democrat Party lost the Civil War and uh, all their nonsense with uh, their others. I mean, that was bad for them, too. They've had a lot of bad streaks, the Democrats. But but this one in particular, this week in modern times for them, terrible. No doubt about it. It's absolutely terrible. Uh, let's go to Donna in Frederick, Maryland, here on the Mark Levin Show with me, Rich Zioli. Hi, Donna. Hi, Rich. I really liked your style. Your monologues were great. And um, I want to discuss the uh, Never Trumper mit- Mittens Romney, you know, the, that phony Republican. Oh, yeah. And I was I was remembering his history. You know, elephants remember. And um, I was thinking in terms of uh, another host who uses the, the um, phrase, 
when it comes to the media, it's always about sound bites and snapshots. And my snapshot in my mind is of Mitt Romney in North Carolina. I mean, not North Carolina, New Hampshire, with Romney Care. Massachusetts, right. Yeah, he was the one that gave us Romney Care. Exactly right. The mandate that you had to buy your own insurance. Yeah. That nasty debacle that turned out to be Obama never cared, and we're all still stuck with it, and I can't wait for it to go away. President Trump is a positive man. He's a humanitarian. He's got a great message, and the left is clueless. They have no idea how the American public actually feels because they're so far removed from the sane world. And uh, I want to thank you for pointing that out. So all of that is what Mitt's legacy is. And like so many of them, that left lean, down in flames they go. Yeah, well said. Donna, thank you for the call. It's great to hear from you tonight on the Mark Levin Show. Appreciate it very much. I'll tell you something else, too, right? Like I got this guy on Twitter, and you can tweet me if you like, at Rich Zeoli, R-S-C-H-Z-E-O-L-I. What makes you think that propaganda talk radio shows like Rush Limbaugh, Sean Hattie, Mark Levin, and you is winning the hearts and minds of American liberals like myself? All right, fair question. Well, here's what I can tell you. I can tell you this. When you got James Carville turning around and saying your party, his party, his party, and he's a liberal, is so crazy that James Carville says you can't win. What what do you say to that is my question. What do you say to that? I know there are Democrats out there. I call that, I joke, I say they're the mainline Democrats. You know, they they have the Chablis, they're sipping Chablis, and they want to be woke, and they want to tell their friends they're woke, and they, they, they've, they've probably named their kids things like, you know, Amber and Tree and leaf and that's really but they don't want socialism because they like their big houses that are usually fenced in and they love that and they don't want to give that away so my question to you is when james carville says as a liberal and he says this party is crazy you can't win with these ideas you've gone off the rails what do you say to that rich zioli from philadelphia in for the great one mark levin coming right back the nation's town hall meeting and you can join in at 877-381-3811 and let's uh, understand something okay pete Buttigieg is not a moderate guy's a radical in a lot of different things including abortion by the way as was revealed with an exchange with megan mccain on the view uh he's a radical he's pretending to be a moderate but he's not a moderate I, there's not a, there really isn't any i don't know how any of these democrats fit into the moderate box but that's the thing with with Buttigieg, right? He's, oh, I'm just a moderate. And, and he was talking about this idea of, of partial birth abortion, late-term abortion. And, you know, and I give the president a lot of credit for addressing this in the State of the Union address the other night. Welcome back to the show, the Mark Levin Show. The great one is off tonight. He's back Monday. By the way, Professor Randy Barnett on Life, Liberty, and Levin this Sunday night on Fox News Channel. Uh, APM, Mr. Producer, I believe, APM, if I'm not mistaken. Thank you, sir. And, you know... When the great one is here, he always tells you about, obviously, his position on life. And I think the president is fantastic for bringing this up and bringing it up. You know, right where I am in Philadelphia right now, where I do the morning drive show on WPHT, 1210 a.m., I look around at the hospitals that are here, the, the amazing hospitals and the technology. You know, the party of science. You realize that since the Roe versus Wade decision has come around, the science on this issue has changed so dramatically that 
when the president acknowledges that there's a baby who's born at 20, 21 weeks and they can save this child. And that's where we are with science. And I always laugh when the Democrats act as if they're the party of science. And then people will put you down and go, well, you know, the science, they'll bring up climate change or something. And they'll go, that's the science. You moron. Why don't you read the science? And you go, what about the science of viability? Right. And the fact that what's what medical technology can do now is not what medical technology could do in 1974 when the Roe vs. Wade decision was handed down and shoved in our faces. And, you know, I think about this, too, from the perspective of I always hear these idiots on TV and they, they, they always say the same thing. They're, how can evangelical voters support this president? I don't understand this. I, how could they? I, I, how could they? I, first of all, if you're somebody who's pro-life, where do you go? There's not a Democrat out there who's pro-life. They're, you're not even welcome in that party anymore. And the Democrats don't just, they don't act like, I mean, I remember Bill Clinton in 1992. You remember this, right? He wanted abortion to be safe, legal, and rare. Now it's after birth. It's cool. After birth, whatever. Ralph Northam in Virginia, Governor Cuomo in New York, and now Pete Buttigieg. Discussing late-term abortion with Meghan McCain. And I think even people that are would consider themselves to be uh, pro-choice would say, well, you know, maybe it's got to be very early on or something like that. But they... But the idea that when you're talking about the 40 weeks, 38 weeks, 39 weeks, and, and then afterward, and that's, that's a radical, sick position to take. And she called Buttigieg out on it. You know, she asked him. And Buttigieg goes, well, you know, I mean, the thing is that they might have some devastating news, and it might be about that, trying to make it seem like, well, it's a stillbirth or something like that. And that's not, that's not what he's saying, by the way. And, and most women who seek later term abortions, according to the Susan B. Anthony list and their research, aren't doing so for reasons of fetal anomaly or uh, anomalies or life endangerment or something like that. It's it's unfortunately not it's not for those reasons. And I don't think anybody's really talking about the issue of, of uh, you know, somebody with a stillbirth or something, obviously. Right. But they try to conflate those issues. If you're somebody who's pro-life. If you believe that life starts at conception or you maybe believe that after 20 weeks, certainly there should not be abortion or something like that. Where do you go? Where do you go? Meanwhile, you have a president who is the first president to actually go to the pro-life march and speak to them. And that matters. That matters a lot. And when the president brings up the science of this issue, I think it's brilliant. I really do. I think it's brilliant because, you know, abortion debates are boring for the most part. But when you start going down the road of science and say, well, let me ask you a question now. Uh, if, if the concept of what the court ruled was viability, but now science can help with viability, science can actually change the circumstances of viability, then doesn't then that fly in the face of the idea that this isn't a life anymore based on the ruling of the court, if viability was their issue? And then you just leave them dumbfounded because they don't know what to say. But that's the reality of the times in which we live. You know, from the Supreme Court's perspective, it was this, this idea of viability. And now you can a baby can be viable at 20, 21 weeks. Miracles. We are living in a time of miracles. And nobody ever calls them out on the science of this stuff. And I think the reason why, of course, is because you're not going to become the Democrat nominee for president if you have anything normal to say on the issue. If you were to come out and say, I only support abortion in the first term, you would never have a chance of getting the nomination. No way. Not in this radical Democrat party. No way. No chance. There's not a chance. So, again, if you're a pro-life voter, what's your alternative? And a lot of pro-life voters are thrilled that the president is addressing this issue for them. And then if you're somebody who's even 
pro-choice early on kind of a thing. Where else do you go? Because the Democrats are so far radical, you get lumped in with that. And I've heard that from people before. And look, my wife and I have two adopted children, so I think you can pretty much figure out where I stand on the issue, obviously. And I think these birth mothers who make the choice to bring this baby into the world and place them with a family that loves them. I mean, these women are heroes. My God, they are heroes. I would love to pin a medal on every single one of them that make this decision. I just say, God bless these women. I think about my children, my, my son, my daughter, their birth mothers, and this incredible, incredible uh, selflessness that they exhibit in life. Just absolutely inspiring. And I, and I, and I hear Democrats act like people like that don't exist. And, it, and it's, it's incredibly frustrating as a dad who's a, a proponent of adoption to hear that. But remember, when Democrats go so far to the extreme on these issues, they lose people. They lose people, and you cannot convince me otherwise. And they've all gone so far left on this. <clears throat> Cuomo, Ralph Nothram, you know, talking about we'll keep the baby comfortable after the baby's born, and then a decision will be made. That is the stuff of horror movies, and it freaks people out, and they want nothing to do with it. And the president sounds like a very reasonable guy on the issue. So I asked the question. It's not a question of, of, of you know, the president being somebody who just can only attract pro-life voters. I think there's a lot of moderates on the issue who just think the Democrats are insane and the stuff that they're saying, insane. And there's no place for them. There's just no place for them. So, again, I bring up the fact that when the president focuses on the science, it's a beautiful way to highlight the absurdity of the Supreme Court's decision. And you know as well as I do that with science becoming part of the argument, when Roe versus Wade is challenged again in the Supreme Court, this time with uh, originalist justices on there, and now they can factor in the science because that's what the Supreme Court case was based upon, right? The ruling when they created this three trimester rule. And now you're able to use new science. So now when you're dealing with the issue of precedent, well, now you got new evidence. Now you got new information to use. Science has changed since 1974 quite a bit. Now this idea of viability goes much earlier in the pregnancy now. That concept of what the Supreme Court ruled and what they created in this penumbra of privacy nonsense that they wrote up, that becomes then the, the, the starting point for you to be able to challenge it. Oh, hang on a second, Your Honor, Madam Justice or Mr. Chief Justice. Look at the, the science here that completely shows that this ruling was ridiculous and absurd. And that's really, I think what the left, they hate so many things about the president, but I still believe it all comes down to the courts because we're, we're getting to a place now where the president has been able to transform the courts in such a way and with his next appointment to the Supreme Court. And, you know, Ginsburg is hanging on by a wing and a prayer at this point. And so when the president's able to fill that seat as well, the Democrats know this time is coming when the, this, this, this sacred ruling of theirs, Roe v. Wade, is going to be challenged again. And I'm telling you, they're terrified of the fact that Donald Trump's going to get another Supreme Court seat or maybe two or maybe three. Who knows? In, in their next term. The hatred for Trump doesn't come from his tweets. I mean, maybe. But the real hatred for him comes from the courts. The magnificent work he's been able to do. You know, he's Mitch McConnell in there as he's taking the victory lap for the Senate. He says, Mitch, we got like 191 judges now. 191 new judges confirmed. And you talk about the Supreme Court, and it matters, obviously. But the whole federal judiciary matters. And that is the number one motivating factor for them. So now I go back to the Bernie bros for a second. I think to myself, all right, what if uh, Bernie's not the nominee because they do the nonsense to keep Bernie from becoming the nominee? It's not going to be Buttigieg because 
Uh, the jig is up on this guy. He doesn't have it. He's not going to be in this race. Learn the money. So let's say it's Bloomberg, who's also not a moderate. Bloomberg, who forced abortion to be taught at New York City colleges, medical schools, by the way. Bloomberg, with his money, may buy the nomination. So the other Democrats stay home. And that's the question. To show the DNC a lesson, to teach the DNC a lesson. Maybe. But the one thing that might get them to go out is the court, the Supreme Court. And perhaps you were in this vein in 2016. I mean, I know people that were not at the time particularly thrilled with President Trump, Donald Trump, candidate Trump at the time. <clears throat> Although, in full disclosure, I was an early supporter. But I know people that weren't, and they kind of held their nose and voted for, because of the courts. The, the idea of Hillary Clinton supporting Supreme Court justices was just, right? Ah. And I wonder if there are going to be Democrats in that position this time around, too. And I'm talking about the radicals. If Bloomberg's a nominee, the radicals, do they do they do the same thing just to keep Donald Trump from getting to, to be able to appoint another Supreme Court justice? Knowing that this challenge to Roe is coming, this challenge is coming and with science on the side of the of the court of, 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 of the babies now. And I think that and I think that at the end of the day, probably they're going to have to hold, hold their nose and vote. They're going to have to because this issue for them is just I mean, think of how radical these people are on this. But this is why when a guy like Mitt Romney stands up and pontificates and grandstands about his faith, he's so full of it because the president has done everything he possibly can to make freedom for your freedom to worship and live your life according to your religion. He has made that a priority for his administration and has fought for that as well as fighting for life at every stage. And there's Mitt Romney thinking that he knows better than the people of his own state. And it's just, it's pathetic. It's despicable. In fact, we have one of his constituents on the line here on the Mark Levin Show. Dean is in Salt Lake City, Utah. Uh, all right, he's gone. All right, well, Dean, thanks for the call. Sorry, we a lot of people want to weigh in tonight, which is great. 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811 on the Mark Levin Show. Martin's in Gainesville, Florida, a must-win state in 2020. Martin, how you doing? Wow, Rich, what a great show you have going here. I had a just a, a comment or two I wanted to make. First of all, you and the great one and El Rushbo speak the truth. This is why you are actually winning the battle of the hearts and minds of America versus the socialist leftists who simply appeal to emotion and they use their media lackeys to gloss over diabolical issues and mask the things that they truly want to do. But I've also got to touch now on what you just said about the right to life. I'm also an adopted uh, person. My brother David, my sister Marianne, God rest her soul. We were adopted, and I thank God that our birth parents had the courage to have us and deliver us to our parents. But the idea of science now being able to inform this battle against Roe is absolutely right on target. Whether or not people want to face the truth, when that initial cell is produced, that human being begins to chemically communicate with the mother. That's the hallmark of life, communication. Whether or not it's perceived by others in this world is a real thing. The life begins at conception. The baby is communicating with the mother. Viability is one thing, but our Constitution promises that we have the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Life being the first of those three. Right. And I just wanted to thank you for your comments. I really appreciate them. Well, listen, God bless you, brother, and, th- and thank you for, uh, for making your, uh, your adoption so public. That's great. I think it's important for us to, you know, stand up and, and, and be proud of it. So thank you for that, and you have a great night, and thanks for calling the Mark Levin Show. I think that when you use science 
it just it blows up their argument. And that's what I love. I love about the future of science. I think about these hospitals like Children's Hospital of, of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, these other places and what they're doing. And it's remarkable. It's amazing. And that's going to be the future. When that case is challenged, it's going to be based on the science. And it's going to be a beautiful thing. And I don't see how you can dispute that because of the way they wrote that majority opinion in 1974. And based on the fact that they legislated from the bench and created this, and now the science completely blows up their their theory, I don't know how you don't win that case. And that's what the Democrats and the left, they it just terrifies them. It terrifies them to such a degree. And I think at the end of the day, they're going to do whatever they, they can to stop this president from getting reelected because of the courts. And so they're going to hold their nose and vote for Bloomberg if he's the nominee. They'll do it because of that issue. And the Bernie bros, I just don't think there are enough of them. If there were, why didn't he win Iowa in a more commanding way? Why did Pete Buttigieg get to outdo him in Iowa if there were so many Bernie bros out there? I think maybe the Bernie bro thing might be a little bit of a myth. Might be one of those things that's exaggerated. Like Bernie's singing when he's drunk. Well, that happened actually in Russia. No, that's real. It was Woody Guthrie. Woody Guthrie, shirtless and drunk, drinking vodka in Russia on his honeymoon, Soviet Union. And uh, the most terrifying video. It's Friday night. If you're having pizza with the kids or playing a game, please don't watch that video. It's a Really terrifying, but that's real. That's 100% real. That's also science that Bernie Sanders actually shirtless drinking vodka in the Soviet Union on his honeymoon. But hey, let's not question if Bernie would have any Russian collusion when he's president, right? Nah, let's not even discuss that for a second. Here on the Mark Levin Show with me, Rich Zioli. Mark Levin. By the way, the president is cleaning house. Those traitors around him. Gordon Sondland is out as ambassador to the EU. He's done. He's out. Good. This, of course, follows Vindman being out today. Fantastic. The cleanse, the purge of these people. It's outstanding. It's great. Good. Goodbye. And anyone who questions that, I just have to ask an honest question to you. Why in your mind would you want people that are so against the president to be around the president? I mean, isn't that just kind of a common sense thing? If the guys are against this man and they're supposed to be advising him and doing a job to help the executive be the executive and the commander in chief and they want to undermine him, isn't that bad for all of us? Right. Yes. The answer is yes. Yes, it is. And I know what's going to happen. It's so predictable. Right. Over the weekend, you're going to hear them whining about, well, this is what it means. The message sent to whistleblowers and those who speak out against the administration is clear. You're going to be fired. In what kind of world do we live in where you'd want a president to surround himself with people who go, hey, everybody here's against me, right? Great. Let's get to work. In what universe would you ever want that? I mean, as an American, I'm asking. Hey, everybody in this room wants me to lose, right? And Good. Great. All right. What's first on the agenda? Nice to see you all. You want some snacks? Nuts or something? No, of course not. And Sondland's out. And Vinman's out. And these people with their hearsay and their nonsense... They've provided no evidence. And you know there's more, right? I mean, there's definitely more. This, this, we're, just, we're just scraping the surface of this here. We're scraping the, the surface. But at some point, we got to get to the bottom of all of this. Now, my only regret with wrapping up impeachment so quickly was we're not going to get to the bottom of really the Bidens and Burisma and Ukraine and all that. But it's probably a moot point at this point because Joe Biden's not going to be the nominee at this point. 
He's just plummeting. He's plummeting in the latest polls, too. And Buttigieg is rising, but that's, a, that's fake. That's, nothing's going to come of that. So the bigger question then becomes this. When I tell you the Democrats are so politically stupid to impeach the president knowing that they're not going to remove him from office, I got to ask another question, which is this. How stupid are they to impeach him in December knowing that the Senate is going to acquit him in the early part of winter and the president's going to be acquitted for an entire election year to run for re-election? These Democrats are the dumbest politicians I think any of us have ever seen in our lives. It's almost like a bad movie. The Mark Levin Show with me, Rich Zioli from Mark's hometown of Philly, coming right back. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Where in the world is Joe Biden? Where's he hiding tonight? That's the question. As the Democrats get ready to debate and their presumptive frontrunner, is falling apart at the seams. Welcome back to the Mark Levin Show, hour number three. Rich Zioli from Mark's hometown of Philadelphia. Great to be with you tonight. You can hear me in the morning on WPHD 1210. You can follow me on Twitter at Rich Zioli. Mark is a great guy. Uh, one of my uh, one of my best uh, mentors in radio, and I just uh, I think the world of him. So it's always an honor when he asks me to fill in for him, and I am happy to be with you as a fellow Levinite. Uh, by the way, I have to mention to you, you know, Joe Biden is such a dummy when it comes to being a politician. He's in Pennsylvania. He's telling coal miners in Pennsylvania, people in Pennsylvania, the state must win state where I broadcast from every day, the state that will decide the next president of the United States of America. And there's Joe Biden telling coal miners, you got to learn to code, bro. Ask me toward the end of our administration, Joe's going to determine what the jobs of the future are. Anybody who could go down 300 to 3,000 feet in the mine sure and hell can learn how to program as well. Anybody who can throw coal into a f- furnace can learn how to program, for God's sake. That's it. You got to learn to program whether you like it or not. So that's his big answer to tell people why they're going to lose their jobs if they work in the energy sector. And by the way, how about America's energy independence? For the first time when the president's killing terrorists across overseas, we don't have to worry that the oil markets are going to fluctuate in such a way because we are now energy independent. We are an exporter of oil now. And, and, and these Democrats also want to turn the tide on that, by the way. Let's not forget that for a second. Not only do you have workers who work in these energy sectors, but American energy independence would be absolutely shuttered if these people get their way because they would get rid of coal and fossil fuels and natural gas. And then as they make the transition to their fantasy wind power, solar, hydropower world in the next 10 years, we're still going to need the fossil fuels and the gas and everything else. And so we're going to need to then start importing those things again and then bye-bye America's energy independence. So that's stupid. The other thing, too, that I think is ridiculous is that when you think about the, these various factors of these, of these Democrats, what they're trying to do to Bernie is unbelievable. But Mike Bloomberg is the dark horse in all this. Mike Bloomberg recently spoke. He, uh, if you are somebody who understands this saying, you'll probably get what little little mini Mike Bloomberg said here. And again, I say this not to height shame because I'm a man who's 5'7 with shoes on. So I have 5'7 and a half. I mean, it depends. 
it's just really sort of on the, the, the shoe itself, you know, the heel that you use. But anyway, but Bloomberg is not a tall man. And that's why I can make fun of him for that reason, because I'm also not a particularly tall man. Although you, yeah, I sound tall on the radio. I, I do. Right. Obviously, I do. Clearly. Uh, take a listen. It is essential to have people who will tell the emperor that he or she is not wearing clothes. Mike Bloomberg gets his clothes at Gap Kids. Did you know that, Mr. Producer? True story. Gap Kids. He shops there. True. 100%. 877-381-3811 here on the Mark Levin Show. I'll tell you something. Bernie Sanders has a right to be angry. A very, very, very big right to be angry over what they're doing to him with Iowa and the fact that they are manipulating the results. Manipulating it in a way to deny Bernie the fact that he won the popular vote, which I thought for the Democrats, the popular vote was everything. So why are they running around saying Pete Buttigieg won Iowa when Bernie won the popular vote? Bernie's not happy on what they're doing here. And he was asked a question regarding all this in terms of the counts and everything like this. And Mayor Pete declaring victory. Cut eight. You got 6,000 more votes. That's generally regarded to be the winner. We won a very significant victory in the popular vote. We won a very significant victory in the realignment vote. And if you go out on the streets to New Hampshire, you go to Vermont, and you ask people, how do you determine who wins an election? Well, from where I come from and where everybody else comes from, the person who gets the most votes wins. We got the most votes. And as I said before, and I got to say this to my friends in the media, is you guys have been putting too much emphasis on these SDEs. There's a confusion that SDEs will determine the number of national delegates. National delegates are important. SDEs do not determine. They determine who the party chair is, the rules of the Iowa Democratic Party. So as I said earlier, I think in terms of, you know, the basic question, are coming out of Iowa, how many delegates do we have? How many delegates does Elizabeth have? How many delegates does Buttigieg? That is not determined by these SDEs. So I think it is fair uh, to say uh, that... You know, we won the uh, caucus. Is he saying STDs, Mr. Producer? I can't make that out exactly. That determines the winner in Iowa. Uh, Look, he's got a right to be angry. And you can tell that he's angry because he got more votes. And the popular vote is supposed to matter with these people. It's supposed to be everything for them. But hey, Joe Biden came in fourth place in Iowa. Fourth place. I say Iowa because that's what Bernie says. Iowa. So that's why I say it. But fourth place for Joe Biden, the presumptive Democrat frontrunner. He can't beat Donald Trump. He can't beat Pete Buttigieg. Think about that. His whole argument. I'm the lunch pail Joe. I'm the guy, the blue collar guy from Scranton, even though I lived there till I was eight. But I'm the guy that could beat Trump. But I can't beat Pete Buttigieg. Come on. That's malarkey, man. You know it. 877-381-3811. Donna is in Port Republic, Maryland. Uh, Donna, thank you for calling the Mark Levin Show. Hi, thanks, Rich, for taking my call. Um, I wanted to go back to a previous caller who called, and I think his uh, brothers and sisters were adopted. I, too, am an adopted child, and um, I'm also a woman of the 70s. So uh, for many years, I, uh, I have to say I supported Roe. Um, in the past, I would say probably four years, I have watched the way that legislation has progressed in a horrible, horrible way. And when the light, when the sky of New York lit up in pink, that was it. So my husband and I actually attended a pro-life, uh, the pro-life march in Washington. I've never seen 100,000 people before. 
it was breathtaking and it was it brought tears to my eyes and so i have changed my position completely i mean completely there is wow. no wiggle room anymore that's amazing so yeah i'm sorry go ahead keep going well, congratulations to you because that's that is a problem. The the adoption rate in this country is it's not keeping up with the children that are uh, that are looking for forever homes, and we need to do something about that. Donna, so your point, which I think is amazing, and I want to just really stress this, is that the Democrats going so extreme on the issue drove you to become pro life. Absolutely, but also you touched on a point. That we didn't have science back in the 70s. A lot of it was very theoretical. And now we have, well, within the last, I mean, 20 years, 15, 10 years, we now have the science to back uh, when um, life begins, which is that conception. And um, I think I agree with you. It's going to get challenged. There's no doubt about it. And I will believe that this time science is going to um, basically uh, flip row. And I yeah. think that's what the Democrats are so very afraid of. Yeah, 100 percent. Absolutely. Donna, thank you. What a great call. Really appreciate it tonight on the Mark Levin Show. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah, you're exactly right. And that's the challenge to row is based on that. It's, it's on the science, because, of course, they they need they need something to overturn precedent. And this is like new evidence. Like in a trial. I'm not a lawyer, by the way, but obviously Mark Levin is a constitutional lawyer slash scholar. I mean, there's nobody better on this stuff than him. But you know, if you're going to challenge precedent of a court, you have to then come up with something new. And this is the new evidence. The fact of what science can do, what these hospitals can do. It's, it's amazing. It's remarkable. So, no, that's coming. It's coming. And I don't I don't think Rose survives. There's no viability in that in that ruling. If you read it, it's an atrocious, atrocious ruling because they legislated from the bench. And then and then and the Democrats know this. But isn't that remarkable that Donna, who was pro-choice, sees how radical and extreme is exactly what I was saying, right? You see how extreme these people are talking about, you know, post-birth abortion. And that just, I, I can't be part of this anymore. I, I, I cannot identify with this. It's remarkable. It really is. It's uh, something. 877-381-3811. Jimmy's in Brooklyn, New York. Jimmy, thanks for calling the Mark Levin Show. Great show. Booty Gag's father is a very important man in the world communist movement. He's the founder and leader of the International Gramsci Society. Now, that's very important because all over the world, they're using the strategies of Antonio Gramsci, which are penetrate all the religions, penetrate all the cultures, and change the population over time where they'll be able to vote in and accept communism. Whereas prior to this Gramsci strategy, smaller groups of communists would take over and impose their rule with the uh, force or threat of force. The communists actually write this, just the way I'm explaining it. So they say instead of taking over and re-educating the population, you do that educating the population prior to the revolution. Now let me just show you real quick the examples of this. If you drop your wallet, you lost your wallet. But if somebody pickpockets your wallet, you didn't lose it, it was stolen. So when people say, we lost our heritage, we lost our morals, we lost our traditional values, we didn't lose it, it was stolen. That's the impact of the world Marxist movement working culturally, getting control of the schools, the unions, and exerting enormous influence throughout society. 
then Bootygag is now talking as a Christian, but he's pushing his radical views coming through Christianity. Now, when these policies and strategies and tactics were used in the Muslim world, you have to not come through the Christian religion, but the Muslim religion. That's today's radical Islam waging war against the West. So whether it's Islam waging war against the West or the, the Christians in America and around the world waging war for Marxism, the end result is the same. So when recently when James O'Keefe, Project Veritas, he should mm-hmm. get the American Freedom Award, I believe, for that. He showed you Bernie Sanders' top strategists, his top people, activists. Yeah, crazy people. Crazy. Embracing the gulags like a yeah, job de- right. program. Right. Yeah, defending gulags and the re-education camps and how all of us Trump supporters are going to have to go to re-education camps when they win. That write the school books. Those are the people on the courts. Those are the people part of this massive left-wing wave. Yesterday's left is today's center. Today's left will be tomorrow's center. That's what they write. They move the whole electoral uh, thing to the left. It's like a gradual thing. You hardly notice it. We had a Mayor Koch in New York decades ago, a liberal. But he called himself a liberal with sanity because he was a liberal, but still within the normal American political spectrum. We don't have that. The Democrat Party is diverse. It has Marxist, Marxist-Leninist, Maoists, Communists, Trotskyites, (laughs) 60 different genders. That's diversity to the Democrat Party. And Trump came out of nowhere, and he's he's putting his hand up saying, stop, no more. Jimmy, I got to run. Thank you for the call, but it was excellent. Uh, great points on all that. Yeah, that's why the Democrats are so opposed to school choice, because if you ever read the Communist Manifesto, Karl Marx makes it a point to talk about having a, a free state education so that they can indoctrinate you and educate you. And that's exactly what they've always wanted to do without without a doubt, without question on that. That's uh, that's a key point right there. Uh, speaking of crazy people. Joy Behar, you got to hear this when we get back, completely unhinged. I think about the poor millions of Americans that have to suffer through shows like The View when they're waiting to get their oil changed or in the dentist office. Joy Behar's a lunatic, and I'll play that for you as well when we get back. And remember something now. When you think about the current state of this Democrat Party, you actually have a candidate named Bernie Sanders who's defending his brand of socialism. All this on The Mark Levin Show with me, Rich Zioli. Don't go away. Mark Levin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead, A-M-A-C dot U-S. Don't forget, Sunday night, a new Life, Liberty, Levin, 8 o'clock, Fox News Channel. Mark's going to be with Professor Randy Barnett, who is amazing. 
These two constitutional minds coming together is going to be an amazing show to watch. He, of course, Professor Barnett, is the author of Our Republican Constitution, Restoring the Lost Constitution and the Structure of Liberty, and he is solid. So that's going to be a must-see Life, Liberty, and Levin. Now, I'll tell you what's not must-see. Uh, the View. You should never watch it. You really should. I remember one day I was sitting there as a dentist office, and I was in there, and and I'm I'm in the waiting room, and I'm and they have the View on, and and I'm listening to this, and my mind, I felt my brain literally turned to mush, like Play-Doh, like what my kids play with Play-Doh, and that's how it felt. And the whole day I felt that way, foggy, kind of a little bit like mushy, and I, and I don't know why, why anybody who's a professional. Whether you're a mechanic or a dentist or a doctor, why you'd ever want this on in your waiting room. I have no idea. I always laugh at the fact that, you know, I, I, I hear in talk radio all the time. They go, well, you know, you conservative talk radio, you know, advertisers, blah, blah, blah. First of all, A, we deliver for advertisers, A, and B, there's nothing offensive about what we say. Because we don't put people down and insult people. They're, the way the left talks about us is unbelievable, the stuff that they say about us. And Joy Behar is no exception. She's crazy. But she's finally come to the, uh, I think, the, 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 the realization that Trump's winning and that despite the fact that Trump's winning and, and she's nuts, it's making her nuttier. And so there's something to be said about that. And I apologize in advance for making you have to listen to this, but you need to listen to this so you can understand what millions of Americans have to endure every day when they are forced to watch this in some sort of an office environment, because I know that nobody in their right mind would ever turn this on themselves. Acquitted doesn't mean you didn't commit a crime. Three words, O.J. Simpson. (laughs) (laughs) This is coming out of my ear. Oh, I'm crazy. Is that your earpiece? I'm crazy today. He's made me crazy this week. (laughs) I mean, I'm really getting, he's winning because I'm getting nuttier and nuttier. Uh, yeah, he is winning, and you are nuttier, and you get nuttier every time, and so do everybody. All this whole Trump derangement syndrome can be, you can, right there, you can just boil it down to that right there. He's winning, and I'm getting crazier. Now, think about people in your own life, maybe on Facebook, Twitter, people that you interact with in your life. How Do they feel the same way that Joy Behar does? I think they do, right? Yeah, they do. And as Trump wins this week with impeachment, and he's acquitted, and they get crazier and crazier and more vicious... And the fangs come out like Pelosi, the way she was eyeing the president's neck the other night, making the Secret Service very nervous. You know, that's the kind of stuff that makes people stop and go, whoa, hang on a second here. You tear up the speech. You act like a spoiled little brat. You look petulant. And then the president just goes by and then and they and they go crazy. It's amazing. And you have to realize that when when you question the political motives of these people like what motivates them to impeach a president knowing that the president's going to be acquitted and to impeach him in december when he's going to be acquitted in the early part of 2020 and now he gets to run as an acquitted president all the way to the election day what motivates people is the fact that they hate him so much it's that it's that joy behar mentality of just i i i, I hate him I, 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 I. and when they hate him they they make these terrible terrible decisions absolutely terrible decisions But don't worry, because the people that sold the president out, tried to, they're gone, baby. Gone. Vinman, gone. And the others are gone, too. And there'll be more of them gone before this is all said and done. Sondland, gone. And we're only just begun. Rich Zioli for the great one. Mark Levin, coming right back.
AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Mark Levin, the most passionate conservative on radio. Talk with him now at 877-381-3811. I think Nancy Pelosi's lost it. I really do. I think somebody should check on her. I mean, I'm just trying to be nice here. I'm just trying to look out for her. I think she's she's just like, whew, she's out. It's God. It's bad. It's really bad. Somebody asked me the other day if there's a 25th Amendment for the Speaker of the House. Uh, unfortunately, no, but... I mean, somebody should check on this woman. Welcome back to the Mark Levin Show. Rich Zioli wrapping up here with you on the Mark Levin Show. Great time tonight. Thanks for hanging out with me tonight, my fellow Levinites. And I am on a Monday morning in Philadelphia, 530 to 9, every morning. You can join the show and also tweet me at Rich Zioli. Uh, this is Pelosi after the president was acquitted. She's still on this nonsense of being impeached forever. Uh, cut one. Uh, we are now the, the Senate right. has spoken in terms of any punishment to the president. He's impeached forever, no matter what he says or whatever headlines he wants to carry around. You're impeached forever. You're never getting rid of that scar. Uh, history will always record that you were impeached for undermining the security of our country, jeopardizing the integrity of our elections and violating the Constitution of the United States. Our purpose in all of this, in addition to holding him accountable so he stops doing what he's doing, and no future president thinks that she or he uh, could have liberty to take us away from a republic, if you can keep it, to a Second Amendment enables me to do whatever I want. No, that's not what Wait, what's that? Wait, whoa. What the hell did she just say? Came this from a republic if you can keep it to a Second Amendment, blah, 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 do whatever you want. What, what is she talking about? Is she talking about Article 2 of the Constitution, Mr. Producer, that gives the president the executive powers? Is that what she's trying to say? What is it? To a, for a republic if you can keep it to a Second Amendment, blah, 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 do whatever you want. The, the, someone needs to check on this woman. Can you just back that up for me, uh, Rich, if you could? Because I just want to make sure that I, I didn't mishear this nonsense. Uh, could have liberty to take us away from the republic if you can keep it to a Second Amendment enables me to do whatever I want. No, that's not what Wait, I'm Is she saying that the president is going to use the Second Amendment to do whatever he wants? Is that what she's trying? I'm trying to understand this. You go for a republic if you can keep it to a Second Amendment. Blah, 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 do whatever you want. What? She's insane. This woman is, this is the Speaker of the House of Representatives. I have news for you. She is... She's second in line to the presidency. 
Do you realize that? She's second in line to the presidency of the United States. Do you want that woman in the Oval Office? Second Amendment, if you can do whatever. Wait, you are the Speaker of the House. But that's what I mean. She's lost it because her hatred is just, it's overwhelmed her. She's overwhelmed her and she can't even take it. I love that the president called her out and Adam Schiff, too. I'm glad he did in the, in the, uh, in the White House the other day at the victory lap that he took, a well-deserved victory lap. I mean, what this guy's been through. I'm telling you, other presidents would not have been able to handle this. They wouldn't. They would have cowered under their desk. They would have wound up trying to be nice to the Democrats, thinking that that would help them or something like this. They never would have been able to withstand all this, and they would have become weak. And then when you're weak in politics, it's like being a wounded prey in the wild, and they would have been just destroyed. But uh, here we go, Rich. Uh, Cut three. Go. I've always said they're lousy politicians, but they do two things. They're vicious and mean. Vicious. These people are vicious. Adam Schiff is a vicious, horrible person. Nancy Pelosi is a horrible person. And she wanted to impeach a long time ago when she said, I pray for the president. I pray for the president. She doesn't pray. She may pray, but she prays for the opposite. (laughs) But I doubt she prays at all. And these are vicious people. I don't think she may pray, but I don't know if it's it's to God. She may pray to some other sort of kind of a like a beast or something. But I mean, I have no idea. I don't know. I all I know is that I just find her to be so incredibly vile. And that that thing she did with the tearing up of the speech after the State of the Union address, ah, you know, and she acted as if this was some sort of a big thing. I've tore up his lies. I, I shredded his lies. What what she showed America was, I have no interest in working with the president. I have no interest in doing it. Let me share this with you. This is important to understand. The, outside of the bubble of the nonsense of D.C., the jobs report today, 225,000 new non-farm jobs added to January. Uh, this is important. Notable gains occurred in the fields of construction, health care, transportation, and warehousing. According to the latest jobs report from the Bureau of Labor Statistics, that's ABC News tweeting that out. One more time. Construction, health care, transportation and warehousing jobs. Notable gains in January of 225,000 more jobs. So I have to ask the question then. When the, when the American people see this, this woman sitting up there in her all white, you know, shredding the speech and... And then they turn around and they hear this job news and they're working and they're working in these industries. And I don't know about you, but trying to find a contractor sometimes is almost impossible because they're all working that if, if there's a minor project, they don't even want to do it. It's like, hey, can you replace a door? They're like, no, I, I don't have time. So the, outside of the craziness, this is what matters to people. And James Carville is trying to tell Democrats that he's trying to say that. So this party's gone so far left. I don't even. I, I, you gotta. You gotta. I mean, you gotta, you're off. You're off the, out of your minds. Off the rails. You're like a cult now. A cult. James Carville, when he said it's the economy stupid in 1992, it still is. By the way, and he's trying to warn Democrats about that fact. But this, this, this pettiness, the vindictiveness, the hatred of Trump, the craziness of Joy Behar, and, and then the extremism of Democrats. You know, Elizabeth Warren telling a 12-year-old transgender kid that he can pick the next. Secretary of Education. I mean, even Bill Maher called her out on that as being just completely crazy and nuts. So that's where the that's where the contrast is. I did not start in radio. It's actually a funny story because it was in 2005 when I was in politics in Jersey and Mark Levin was our keynote speaker at a dinner. And uh, that's when I said I want to I, I, 
I want to do what Mark does, but I have no, I, no idea how to do it. But, but that was one of the things I was working in politics. Most of my career I've been in politics and I've cut my teeth in Jersey politics, which is very, very nasty. And I'm telling you right now, when you, when you understand the way to win a campaign, it's to show a contrast between two different things. So here on the one side, you got Donald Trump's contrast of this booming economy and he keeps winning on all these things and, you know, he's killing terrorists and whatnot. On the other side, you have just utter, you know, it's ripping and, and, then, and then this extremism on abortion and extreme on the environment and talking about taking away people's jobs and telling them, you know, go learn to code, bro. You can't get a better political contrast than this. You cannot. You could not script this better. Yeah, it's been a great week. And every day I have to get up at like 3.30 in the morning and do a morning show. And I'm still fired up tonight. And I'm fired up tonight because of the reason that I, I personally like this president very much. I do. I don't agree with everything. I wouldn't agree with everything of any president. That's not the point. I think, I think he's a great guy. And I know him personally. And I knew him during the campaign personally. And I think he's a great guy. And I'm, and I'm, I'm happy he won. I'm happy he won because I think these people are just so vile that go against him. They're just vile. And I'm glad he won. I'm glad he took the victory lap. He deserved it. I think about it, though. I think about other wimpy Republicans who might have become president, and they would have done the same thing to them. And I'm just trying to think of them being strong enough to resist all this, and I just don't see it. I just don't, I don't see it that Trump's got that unique ability. It's like a fight turns him into even more of a, of a, of a fighter and he just keeps coming and coming and coming. It's like he likes it. He's like a, like a prize fighter. He just keeps coming and coming and coming. There were other people, you know, who would have cowered under their desk like a baby. And that's when Peter Strozak, Peter Strzok, I say Strozak because Congresswoman Bonnie Watson Coleman of New Jersey kept calling him Mr. Strozak, Mr. Stro- and she's a Congresswoman from my state. So I can't get that out of my head. So when Peter Strozak and Lisa Page, the two lovebirds, were going back and forth about the insurance policy, I actually think that's what the insurance policy really was. It was this idea of we are going to investigate this guy to such a degree that we will completely derail his presidency. He'll get nothing done. I know Mark will talk more about this on Monday when he's back with you, but uh, the story from John Solomon, that key witness told Team Mueller that Russia collusion evidence found in Ukraine was fabricated, that's a big deal. Is that also like the, the dossier was made up as well as this this black book, black ledger was also a fugazi, as we say, a fabrication. Uh, let's go to Morris in Tempe, Arizona. You're on the Mark Levin show, Morris. Hi. Hey, Rich, thank you for taking my call. You know, the formula is if you want to add to your intelligence, you listen to Mark Levin or yourself. Or if you want to take off your intelligence points, you just watch the view during the day. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> But the, the reason for my call is I think Justice Ginsburg is upset because she didn't step down when she had the opportunity to get replaced by, a, by another liberal um, justice under Obama's tenure. Right. Yeah, I mean, you're exactly right. They thought Hillary was such a lock that they thought she thought that she could just get replaced by Hillary. So uh, yeah. it's an excellent point. All right. I, All right, I brother. Have a good weekend. It. Thank you for that, Morris. I appreciate it. Uh, Joe is in Springfield, PA. Joe on the Mark Levin Show with me, Rich Zioli. Rich, Rich, thank you for taking my call. I love when you uh, substitute for uh, Mark. Um, you and I have talked before on PHT 1210. I think a lot of people don't realize that in uh, the early 90s, uh, you were talking about the courts, that um, Bill Clinton understood the fact that he may not get the Supreme Court, but if he had the federal courts, he can do whatever he wanted to. 
Uh, I'm not sure exactly what I don't remember what George Bush did. Uh, Obama kind of put it on the wayside. President Trump understands that those courts are very important to uh, making America great again. They really are. And that's, I think, at the end of the day, what drives the hatred of the president more than anything is is the judges that he's appointing. And now he's up to 191 federal judges. And I'm telling you, that make more than anything fuels their rage. You're right. And, and Rich, you're a smart guy. You're a political guy. Uh, you're from a, 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 a blue state. And you understand how important that is. And the president, God bless his soul, the president is um, building... Uh, a, a, a nation where we're going to get back to the uh, fund, uh, fundamentals of uh, the American and the Constitution. Well said, Joe. And uh, thanks for listening to the show back home in Philly. I appreciate it. But 877 uh, Yes, you can hear me in the morning if you like on Talk Radio 1210 WPG or just get the full podcast. You can listen to the show whenever you want if you're not a morning person. You can just do that. Uh, Susan's in Brooklyn, New York on the Mark Levin Show tonight. Susan. Hey, Rich, it's so great to talk to you. Congratulations on your expanding family. Thank you. I've got to just say I am thrilled to see that um, President Trump has uh, had these Obama holdover HUDs rolling, this uh, windbag Wyndham and uh, the Sondover. Get them all out. Just just, he's better off with vacancies, and now he's going to have so many – uh, people that didn't vote for him, that want to get involved, we're all—we've got to, like, make this not just a win. It has to be an absolute, um, a, you know, mandate beyond. Uh, it's got to be 1984. Yeah, you know what? Well said. I, I, I think that uh, your passion right there, your passion is exactly what people are feeling and that is that is that, that is so great, Susan. Thank you for the nice words about my expanding family, and and thank you for that. Uh, yeah, so uh, the baby's on the way. April fifteenth, tax day. How's that for irony, Mister Producer? Tax day. It's unbelievable, uh, and we're very blessed. We really are. We're very blessed. And of course, with two adopted kids, you don't think like all of a sudden my wife goes, "I think I'm pregnant." And I said, "Well." You know, I can't wait to meet the father. I was my first because it's my gallows humor. Like I always, you know what I mean? I, I always make jokes about everything in life. So that was the first thing I said. I said, well, I hope he can pay for college. And she's like, would you shut up? And I said, I'm sorry. But now but this happens a lot to people who've adopted. It's, it's uh, actually kind of common. You find out about this as, as time goes on. But uh, but we're excited. But we don't have anything left. We gave it all away. I was telling Rich earlier before the show, we have nothing. We gave it all away because we didn't think we we're having any more kids because it's so expensive to adopt a child that – we were just like, well, we're probably done. And then, you know, what's the old saying? You plan and God laughs, right? I love that saying. It's so true in life. But uh, believe me, I'm not complaining. It's, uh, it's an amazing, amazing thing. And we're having a little girl, which is very nice. Of course, I'll let the baby choose uh, its own gender. I'm not going to, you know, tell the baby what gender it is as a baby. I mean, that would be ridiculous. So we'll, we'll let her decide as time goes on. And, you know, so... I'm just kidding. We're actually going to raise her as a girl for five years and then raise her as a boy for the next five years. And then gender neutral after that. I think that'll kind of be very, very woke, very progressive. And the parents, I think it'll be very hip with the PTA crowd. No, we're going to raise her as a girl, of course. And uh, also with a girl's name, too, because that's the new thing. The new trend is they name girls with boys names. And I don't really get that anyway. But either way, I'm uh, we're very excited. Very, very excited. So thank you for all the nice words and the kind words about that. And I'm not going to be naming her like, you know. 
like, a, I don't know, a Starship or something. No, it's just going to be a classic name. And we have a name. Well, my son has named her Olivia, Baby Olivia, because he has a friend Olivia in class. And so we call her Baby Olivia now. But I don't know if that's going to stick after the baby's born. It's just, you know, for right now, the working title is Baby Olivia as we as we go forward with this. All right, final moments on the Mark Levin Show. Great to have you here tonight, 877-381-3811, with me, Rich Zioli, in for the great one. Mark Levin. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America, now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Don't forget, Life, Liberty, Levin, Sunday night, 8 p.m., Fox News Channel. Mark will be sitting down with Professor Randy Barnett. He's a constitutional genius, and it's going to be an amazing show. So don't miss it, all right? Final moments here on the Mark Levin Show with me, Rich Zioli, your fellow Levinite on WPHD in Mark's hometown of Philadelphia, by the way. And uh, I'm always so touched when somebody says they, they heard me on Mark and then they continue to listen to me in Philadelphia. So thank you for that. Uh, some very, very special friends on the show who have came with me in the mornings after this. So thank you for that. It means means the world to me because I got, I got kids to feed, you know. Uh, Kathy is in Franklin, New Jersey on the Mark Levin Show. Hi, Kathy. Hi, how are you? Very well, thank you. I just was listening to you talk about having to listen to the view when you're in the doctor's office. Oh, my goodness. I had to take care of my dad for 10 days, and I had to take him to his doctor's appointments, and it was absolute torture. Yeah. Did you say anything to the doctor? Did you say, like, this no. is this is torture? No? I didn't, but you know what? I might in the future. <laughs> I, I had to say something. Well, you know what it is? I, I said something on my radio show, and my, and my dentist is a listener, so he heard that. My old dentist, not my new one, but and he heard that, and that's when the, the office changed it. So now it's like HGTV or something yeah, uh, instead of The it's View. Worth, it's worth it because every every doctor's appointment I've gone to, it's all, it's torture what you have to listen to. In the well, m- maybe it's it's kind of like a revolving door. So you watch it, you lose your mind, you go insane, you need a doctor, right? Yeah, it's quite possible. Could be that. Quite possible. Uh, Kathy, thanks. Have a great weekend. Appreciate the call of the Mark Levin Show. Uh, all right. Well, listen, it's been fun hanging out. I want to thank Mr. Producer and Mr. Call Screener, the Riches, my men. They're great. Follow them on Twitter, please. Uh, Rich, what are you? You're at Mr. Producer, right? That's... I, I knew that. I knew that. At Rich Cementa, at Rich Valdez. But you know what it is? I, I had it all written down, but I ripped it up like Pelosi. I ripped it. I shredded it like the State of the Union address. 
Uh, have a great night. Have a great weekend. And uh, God bless. And thank you for listening to Mark's show all the time. And remember, Sunday night, Life, Liberty, and Levin. Rich Zioli signing off. Have a great weekend. Thank you for hanging out with me.